0: Hi, everyone. Ashley Brown here. Welcome to Hawks Insiders Player Recap Podcast. Uh, In the wake of a very distressing evening at Marvel Stadium, it was Essendon 16-12-108, defeating Hawthorne 11-15-81. They're calling it the miracle at Marvel, where Hawthorne played the might of the Soviet Union and Essendon were the plucky part-timers from the United States. And, uh, well, you know what happens in these uh, fairy tales. Hawthorne on the wrong side of it. Uh, As I said, a very disappointing night. We're going to go through every player, uh, and I'm not sure we're going to be very complimentary tonight. I think the knives will be out. And uh, this will be a bit of a wild ride with my co hosts, uh, Hawkinsiders, uh, fellow uh, partners, uh, Darren Levine. Hello, Darren.
1: Hey, Ash. Um, And yeah, I was the one that alerted you to the miracle at Marvel. Um, news headline, which just absolutely enraged me. Um, and I think I took Twitter to, to vent about that one and, luckily, I wasn't at Marble for that for that onslaught. You were?
0: I was. Uh, Andrew, were you there?
1: Unfortunately not. We were
2: supposed to go, but Ethan woke up uh, yesterday morning with a pretty nasty head cold. Uh, so the decision was made ahead of Mother's Day, as well as his footy this morning, to sacrifice the cold, wintry evening out at Marvel to watch it at home uh, and be right for today instead. So, um, watch the whole thing on TV, and actually glad. From the moment the final siren went, that I wasn't there because the trip home would not have been a fun one.
0: Well, I left about four minutes to go, and the train was all Hawthorne people. <laughs> it was the ones that had left early. I didn't want to wait around for the next one that would have been full of chortling, SM people. So I got out a little bit early, which is not something I always do, but uh, it's a very silent, morose train trip back to Caulfield Station. Let me tell you, all right. Let's get uh, stuck into it. We'll go through it by number. Of course, I'll miss a couple on the way. You'll remind me when I've crossed over someone. We'll start with Harry Morrison, uh, number one for Hawthorne. He had uh, 23 disposals. Um, We probably should always break it down. do half by half because a lot of these numbers are great in the first half, not so great in the second half. 23 disposals. He kicked one goal, one. He had uh, eight contested, 16 contested possessions, he had um, 460 meters gained. Otherwise, one of these players who had good first half and uh, not a particularly great second half uh, start with you, Des. Well,
1: I always seem to get Harry Morrison, and I'm happy with that. I think I, I, I put a tweet out early on in that in that in that first quarter just about how underrated he is. I think to our to our team and how how important he is and. Um, I thought he had a really good first half and I feel like it was a welcome comeback and he did a lot of good things. Obviously, one of the players that went missing in the second half, but, you know, I think they were a lot worse than Harry, so I'm going to give him a six.
2: Well, I saw a comment on Twitter about Harry that was really interesting. keen came to hear what you guys think. It was so good when he's got the ball. Just doesn't do enough when he doesn't have the ball. And he's one of the guys, I, I reckon, you know, that doesn't stick a tackle and then you go, like, just learn how to tackle. That side of the, his game, I think, is frustrating. But when he's got it, he's become a lot more reliable than in recent seasons. It's just what what he needs to do off the ball for mine to take his game to the next level. What do you think? Yeah,
1: Absolutely agree with that. I think structurally is really important to the side. Um, just one of those players that just kind of slots into an important role for us, um, just there on the wing or half back. And I think he absolutely needs to stick a tackle. I think that's a big flaw in his game. And, and, and whoever tweeted that is totally right about Harry Morrison.
0: Plays like his godfather. the like Ken Judge. Great with the footy, Not so great without it. Um, Tom Mitchell wears number three for Hawthorne. And, uh, well, people have been, the look the, of the, the scapegoats out of the game and uh, I'm afraid our Brownlow Middles is one of 14 disposals. Um, 79% in the defensive half. So try to work out what to do with him when he's not in the midfield. He only had 16, he had 16 set about to tenses. We'll see how that sets up with the rest of the team as we go along. Took three marks. He did not score four score involvements, um, four clearances, one centre clearance, three stoppage clearances. A quiet night for Tom Mitchell. He just was very unobtrusive, even in the first half when Hawthorne was playing better. He was uh, not a major presence, uh, Andrew.
2: No, I think we said in the match, our match recap, it's it's the second time, odds is second worst stats showing in... 130 odd games in his 150 game career. So the last 130. So, um, and there are a number of people asking the question as to whether or not he's injured, uh, which I think might just be an excuse for how he's being used and how he's being played. I guess the biggest question has to be, and and I've never ever entertained the thought over the last couple of years about trading pitch and have always been the loudest voice at shooting it down, the question is, and perhaps they just didn't know it at the time, if they're not going to play him in, in the one position that is above elite at, which is that ball-winning, bottom-of-the-pack, get-the-ball-out warrior, if they're not going to play him in, in that position, then we're not going to see him play decent football over four quarters because that that's his position. So then it begs the question, if they're not going to do that, uh, should we have got a first rounder for him at the start of the year, uh, end of last year? And for me to say that, uh, yeah, things are messing with my head a little bit with Tom Mitchell. We've already seen some of the amazing stuff he's done this year, but if he's not going to be played in that position... Uh, you just worry about what the next couple of years might look like for him.
0: It's been said that uh, the shades of Hawthorne not playing him in, in the midfield the way they didn't play Lance Franklin as one out forward in 2013 that they're trying to learn how to exist without him. So, that one which is twice. totally
2: fine, which is totally fine, but then that just totally adds weight to. What we could have got for him on the open market at the end of last year, which is undoubtedly a first round draft pick.
0: Well, he's playing against a team who's going to join Richmond in the Tom Morris Cup this week. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how he goes. Maybe he'll play a blind against, he said that was supposed to be his future employer. Jarman Impig number four, fourth on 23 disposals, uh, seven marks, zero tackle, 87% defensive half. Eighty-seven percent disposal efficiency, uh, five turnovers, three intercept possessions. He had two hundred eighty-three meters gained. He three score involvements and uh, one kicking. Des
1: I mean, it was an okay game for i
0: but... Oh, sorry, did you give a rating, Mister Tom? Was he?
2: I I didn't. He gets a two out of ten.
1: Every disposal we got in the last quarter, actually, I think he got one.
0: One, yeah, carry on. Sorry,
1: um, Jars is coming back from no pre season and, and a nasty injury, and I think he's just gonna continue to hopefully get better. Um, I don't think he had a shocking game, and I don't think he was the problem for us. I, I feel like he. We, we may be missing that, and I, and I really hope it's the coming back from injury, not him losing sort of that yard of pace. Because I, I just don't think he's as, as explosive a player as he's been in the past. I think he just was was kind of taking a lot of safe options, safe handballs, um, and just a pretty pretty average game for him. So I'm going to give him a give him a fight.
0: Uh, James Warple wears number 5 for Hawthorne, 15 disposals he had uh, 2 tackles 1 behind 67% disposal efficiency, 9 contested possessions uh, 2 turnovers, 2 intercept possessions he had uh, 183 metres gained, 4 clearances 3 centres, 1 stoppage uh, before I bring you in we see, I just want to go through, he had Five in the first quarter, eight in the second quarter, one in the third, one in the last. Tell me about his game. He's going. We just a all the spicy ones
1: here.
2: <laughs> yeah, and he's another one that... Uh, what's been really enjoyable is having done the recap first and doing this second in our schedule for the weekend, actually being able to reflect on what everyone across socials and in the Hawthorne social universe, you know, what people are thinking. Uh, and Warps is one that people are getting stuck into. I, I share your uh, your view from um, your talking points, Ash, in that I've got a bit more time for him. I think he's young. I think he's still going at it hard. And I think there's still a role for him, not necessarily as a full-time mid but as someone who could rotate um, up forward. Uh, I mean, there was one time uh, he should have hit Cozzy, I think it was in the third quarter, or lace out when he was streaming to 50, had the shot. And it was a pretty average shot at the end and, and could have hit yeah, Cozzy up. Yeah. But, but more often than not, it's the reverse, right? And we're saying, why can't our mids just finish off the work and run inside 50 and kick the goal? Like it's the years, we've been a beautiful build up and we've been crying out for mids who back themselves, run in and kick it. So he obviously didn't do that because he presented, but I've got no issues with him trying to take that on. So it wasn't the greatest second half. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned four clearances, which was our equal second most for the, for the game on the list. So um, I'm giving him a five and a half. I, I think, as you've stated there, he clearly faded out in the second half. But I've got plenty more time for him um, as part of the midfield development moving forward.
1: People love getting stuck into James Warpole now as well. I've noticed all of that chatter on Twitter, and I think he actually had a really good second quarter, and it's overshadowed that. Um, so I, I'm with you guys. I think Warps needs a bit more time.
0: James only had 22 disposals. He had uh, 16 kicks, six handball, seven marks, one tackle, one behind that I want to discuss. Uh, 89% defensive half, 91% disposal efficiency. Uh, he had uh, three turnovers, seven intercept possessions, four sport involvements, 499 metres gained, uh, um, seven rebound fifties. That shot for goal he had in the third quarter was a disgrace.
1: It really was. It, it I mean, was a
0: disgrace. He His approach was all wrong. I saw written on, I think I'll give the credit to Hawk headquarters today, he said he was having, he his approach for the shot was like you had that one last big kick before you called into the sheds after training, sort of thing. It was at a critical stage. I think it was in the end of 50-meter penalty as well. It was a disgraceful for the captain of the team to kick like that. This is a guy who was at one stage a forward. He was a key forward. He's the next big thing in the Hawthorne forward line. It was a terrible kick for the captain of the team at a stage when I don't have it in front of me, but it would have. It was a stage where it would have given Hawthorne that buffer that they everyone thought. The sort of game, if Hawthorne got out to five goals, I am going to win the game. Ever could I like, get to five goals? But that was a terrible kick. And remember, the kick not going through and thinking, God, I hope this doesn't cost them down the track, and it bloody well did. And as much as I love Sicily and think he should be the next captain for Hawthorne, I'm still angry about the kick, and I should move on after 24 hours. Oh, Land that's, over.
1: That's the same mutual rule now, 24 hours of, of <laughs> <break>. <laughs> and, But I think I agree that that's... I don't know what was going through his head. And sometimes that's the thing with Sisley, you just don't know what's going on in his head at times. And it, it kind of scares me a bit. I, I absolutely think he should be the next captain, but those moments you just you just wonder, there's something in the back of your mind that thinks, maybe he's, he's just got, got a couple loose screws there because why would you take a set, set shot like that as a captain at a critical juncture of the game? Just such, an, such a nonchalant
2: way. That was with a couple of minutes to go, I think, in the first quarter, um, which evidently would have put us four goals up at quarter time instead of three. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit more forgiving. Uh, I think uh, it's the nature of James Sicily and if he goes back, and slots it through. We're talking about what an amazing kick, and the way he kicks it is just but incredible. It, and
0: that, of course he would, but if your mother had whiskey, she yeah, would but more for discussion. Well, that's, more that's,
2: often than not, like Sicily's in the in the conversation around if you've got one guy, or name your top three guys, and this might be for spaces during the week. If you've got three guys. That have the ball deep in defence that you want to hit a target, or you know, moving up forward that you want to hit a target, and you you'd back to to the hilt. Sicily's one of them, so
1: yeah, I I, I disagree, but uh, just the optics of the way that he he went back and the message that it sends to young players on that list, it's just a set shot, but it's also.
0: That's more than that. It's far too casual. And it set the tone for the team. So I was very disappointed in the kick, as I've said. Uh, Raking. Uh... Oh,
1: it, you, you, you read the stats and that's a pretty good game. It's actually a really good game. It's probably an elite game. But I just didn't think he had a huge impact. So I'm going to give him a five.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Sam Frost, 10 disposals. He had uh, four marks and a tackle. disposal efficiency, which is pretty good for our boy Frosty Ball. Um, Five intercept possessions, 181 metres gained, four uncontested marks. They were no clearances, anything like that. Um, uh, Andrew, what do you think of his game?
2: Yeah, so this isn't to bring Sam Frost down because I think he's having a really good season. Uh, And I think it's a reflection of the way our Defensive unit worked uh, against the Bombers because it was the worst game we've seen them play for ages. But uh, I thought this was Frosty's worst game of the season. So he had the 10 touches. He only had four marks. And to go with that, he had five clangers and gave away four free kicks. So, you know, when you've got 10, 10 touches, five clangers and four frees against, you're almost... Neutralised and, and at the end of the day, um, the Essendon forward line got a hold of us and um, especially their bigger guys and so Frost has to put his hand up and take some responsibility with that. So uh, he tried a couple of his Frostball runs and they didn't come off either. So um, unlike recent years when you're not happy with a game of his and you're up in arms and jumping up and jumping up and down, uh totally happy to just ride it off and move on but he gets a three out of ten for me
0: it's two weeks in a row his opponents are the better um and he's given away three kicks uh number ten I think uh, is Jago Mira I think if Hawthorne had a four quarter player uh, on Saturday night it was Jago. 28 disposals five marks six tackles two behinds uh 68% disposal efficiency um 11 contested possessions, uh, six turnovers, two scoring uh, possessions or yeah, intercept possessions, um, 13 score involvements, two goal assists, four clearances. He said it was equal highest for Hawthorne for the night, one centre, three stoppages. He was in at 14 centre bounces. I thought. Jager played really well. I thought he was the one player who ran out the four quarters, a couple of beautiful bits of play out of the middle to set up, hit up forwards, um, and I, from the, I had the very good fortune of being uh, having seat six rows from the front on the wing. Thankfully, not on the Essendon side of the ground, um, and to see his work rate and how invested and involved he was in the game, I thought he was terrific.
1: Yeah, well, if Sam Frost had his worst game of the season, I think um, Jager had his best game for the season. And, and, you know, when probably the best player that we had out there in the fourth quarter, which isn't saying much because it was a pretty diabolical quarter, that he, he had 10 disposals and he really imposed himself on the game and tried everything to, to get us back into it. Um, and I think if anyone else approached the task like he did in that last quarter, we probably, probably may have won the game. Ranking? I'm going to give him a seven and a
0: half. Um, I'm going to preface the next player by saying I'm taking off the honorifics for the time being. Will Day, 23 disposals, five marks at a tackle, 91% disposal efficiency, uh, five contested, 15 uncontested possessions, four turnovers, six intercept possessions. He took uh, one contested mark, 288 metres gained. Um, Again, uh, the stats look pretty good. A couple of clangers there I didn't like. A kick out of bounds on the full in the last quarter, inexcusable. For him, I reckon that he's been a bit careless. You there's a bit, there's some of the great, you know, great uh, intercept marking and setting up the play that we've come to love, but a couple of untidy turnovers in the last couple of weeks for we Will we just need to get out of his game, Andrew.
2: Yeah, clearly the focus is going to be on that uh, that kick where he wasn't under pressure, had the spare man and somehow put it on the full. Uh, and you just knew, like you just knew when that happened. I mean, we had the feeling the whole last quarter that we were going to get overrun. But when stuff like that is happening, you know that you're going to be up against it. Oh, I... Again, this this is really strange because it's usually roles reverse. I'm the ones giving, uh, like getting absolutely stuck into players. Uh, I've got time to excuse that in the overall body of work of Will Day uh, against the Dons. I think that he's clearly getting better with each game since he's come back, and the confidence is returning, and to see him see him contesting um, for marks and not scared to fly for marks and he still went at 91% disposal efficiency so you remember the bad ones but overall um, like he actually used it really well and there were one or two plays I don't want to jump the gun because we'll get to Lockie Bramble there were one or two plays that Bramble and Day had where they they ran off the back flank um collecting handballs, always prepared to come and run through. And it was like the will day. Uh, I mean, it's really weird because once he played like a you know a handful of it's
0: games. A <laughs> yeah. It's
2: like the will day we remember that we missed we've missed out on. Like he's happy to run. He uses the ball well. He's contesting in the air. He's actually a total package. He's just got Uh, to mature in his body and get more game time. But um, I actually thought he was pretty good overall. I gave him a a 6.5 out of 10.
0: Dylan Moore, 20 disposals, uh, 11 marks, zero tackles, one goal, one 75% defensive half notable, um, 6-0, that is, a disposal efficiency. Um, he had only two contested possessions, eighteen uncontested possessions, five turnovers, two intercept possessions. Um, he 387 metres gained. Um, he had... Uh, that sort of more or less subs up him, uh, his performance. Dad?
1: Yeah, well, I think that the big one to note there is how much time he did spend in the defensive half of the ground. And I'm not sure if that's just a result of him trying to get involved and, and, and work himself up the ground and, and maybe the ball wasn't coming in as much. But, yeah, it's 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 it, he is one of our hardest workers and probably one of the, the better players that we had out there and he just continues on. Um, but, again, you know, I missed a crucial set shot that I thought he would have absolutely nailed um, and kicked the oblig- obligatory goal that he always does But yeah, he's, again, not, not the reason we lost on the night. Um, and I just want him to be a bit more damaging in, in the front half of the ground and the, in the, the part of the ground that he belongs. So I'm going to give him a six and a half.
2: It's, it's again, uh, probably another question for our spaces, but it's, it's, I, I struggled thinking all day throughout the day. It kept coming back into my mind, like, if he's in the top two or three players on our list right now, which you could clearly argue a case for, just thinking back to 18 months ago, like the rise of Dylan Moore to be one of the best players at our football club is mind-blowing. Like we talked about John Newcomb and where he's come from and what he's doing. Like for Moore to have spent the years on the list, basically get that one game, struggle to get the contract, be given the extension anyway, and now being our top few players, like is one of the best assets we've got on our list. Uh, is just it's it's mind blowing.
1: So. And much of the story that is about more, what does it actually say about the rest of our list and the and the senior players and the and and the top tier talent that we that we've Kind of have it. A, there's a bit of a vacuum there, and I think when you, you know, the whole narrative is about how many plays Essendon had out on the night. But like, this is not a great Hawthorne team, um, to put it bluntly. And the fact that Dylan Moore is one of our best players is amazing for Dylan Moore. But I just, it's just a sad indictment on the list that we have.
0: Jack Scrimshaw, 25 disposals. He had. Um... Six marks, three tackles, 92% defensive half. uh, No surprise there, 88% disposal efficiency. He had five contested possessions. He had uh, two turnovers, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, three score involvements, and um, 281 meters gained, seven rebound fifties. What did you make of this game, Darren? Well, I don't think he's played a bad
1: game this year. And it's, again, he's he, similar to Dylan Moore. He's played 50-odd games and just one of our most best and most reliable players. He's probably, arguably, you know, top three of the PCM at the moment. And I think it's well-deserved because he's the one player we were talking before about a player that he wanted the ball in hand. In, in, in the back half of the ground, um, Scrimmer's... Almost always makes the right decision. And yeah, I, 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 I can't really fault his game um, again. So I'm, I'm going to give him a seven.
0: Blake Hardwick, where's number 15? 10 disposals, uh, six marks and a tackle. Uh, he had, um, went at 90% disposal efficiency. He had only one turnover, two intercept possessions, took six marks. All, uncontested, 111 metres gained. Uh, Andrew?
2: Yeah, I can't remember too many games where I don't recognise him throughout the course of the game. He was pretty quiet and really had little impact. So I don't know if you guys know if he was tagging someone down back, but uh, I really didn't recognise him much throughout the night whatsoever. Um, obviously, didn't touch it that much. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give him a five. Literally, I'm sitting on the
1: fence because I don't. It was a very
0: out-intrusive game. So it was just, it was just a, a, a Blake hearted game, really. Just...
1: Well, there was no one to tag. It was just a bunch yeah. of VFL, uh, you know, off wasn't it? There, was, <laughs> there were no good players out there for Essendon.
0: Well, they're all superstars at the moment. Those VFL off you They're building a bloody statue for them all out of Toton Marine as we speak. Lockie Bramble, 16 disposals, uh, 8 kicks, 8 handballs, 5 marks, 2 tackles, 73% descent, defensive half, 88% disposal efficiency, 4 contest possessions. He had 3 intercept possessions, 2 goal assists, 4 score involvements. He took 5 marks, 233 metres gained. I thought for the first time in the three games he's played that we started to see some glimpses of the Lockie Bramble that we came to really enjoy last year. He seemed to have his bit of his spark and confidence back. I suspect he probably ran out of uh, legs a bit. Let's look in his last quarter. He had uh, two disciples in the last quarter, so he went missing a little bit at the key part of the game. But uh, I thought he was OK. I thought We start to see a bit of what we we liked about him last year. Weezy.
2: Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, similar today, like you just need to see the glimpses, especially with his injury and him coming back, that he's going to get back to what we saw and what we know and what we loved. And for me, that was at the start of the second quarter. I think, as a um, couple of minutes in, and he intercepted a kick from. I'm going to say it was Zach Merritt, and he intercepted the mark, took on two players, ran towards 50 and put it straight onto Luke Bruce's chest. That was the one that he Bruce kicked the goal that did everything he can to almost miss it when he played on quickly and snapped it straight in front. But that play, like that free run, that taking on the players, backing himself in, And you just went, right, like when we get back to seeing that 10 times a game off the halfback flank, which we know he's capable of, he'll be fully back. So um, I think he's building. I don't think uh, in the second half he was that significant. So I'll give him a five and a half out of 10 um, with with a note that, yeah, there's a big watch on him because he's getting better with, with the minutes that he's getting.
0: All right, this one will be interesting. Max Lynch, 12 disposals, four marks, a tackle, two goals, one uh, for Big Maximus. His heat map's interesting. He basically spent, uh, ran up and down the corridor the entire night. Actually, you look at it, there's hardly anything on the wings. It's this big red blob. It looks like a 10-pin like a 10-pin, pretty much. If you look at it on the AFL heat heat map, 58% disposal efficiency. Um, he had uh so he took four marks. He had three clearances. He had nine, he had 18 hitouts I haven't compared him to Sam Draper. if you want you guys what's called Sam Draper while you're there, um that'd be good, perhaps good to know. 27 set about attendances, 60 ruck contests. Now um it was the I thought he's playing the game of his life in the first half. Um that he, he's effectively start to weighed a bit in, in the third quarter. Then he was a concussed and he was a big factor in the last quarter. he not being on the ground for 15, 20 minutes when Essen took control of the game. So it's a funny old game. I thought in general play actually he had the better of Draper, certainly for the first half, certainly until his injury. Draper grew another leg, I think, once uh, once Lynch was off the ground. Daz, what do you make of this game? Yeah, I mean, I,
1: I, I love Max Lynch and, like, I think he's going to be a Hawthorne cult hero and you can just see it already, the way he carries himself. I thought he had the better of Draper as well in that first half and that's no mean feat because I think Draper always plays well against us and he's a really difficult ruckman to, to play against on his day. And you could just tell the difference that it, that it made when he went off the ground. I think that's when we started. They really started to get that Senate clearance ascendancy there at the start of the fourth quarter um, and Lynch... I, I, I just think it made a massive difference with him off. Um, and, he, you know, he, he's not winning every every clearance for us, not dropping it down the throat of all our midfielders all the time, but I think his presence is enough to, to kind of disrupt the other team. And I thought it was terrific that he actually made an impact on the scoreboard as well, because that was the part of the, his game that I think needs work and continues to need work. But um, when he's... When Reeves is back and they're rucking in tandem together, I think it's just going to be a really nicely balanced ruck unit.
0: Rankings?
1: So I'm going, to give, I'm going to give him a
0: six. It's interesting at Marvel Stadium now, they have these big, sexy screens, as Gil calls them, behind the goals. But the old screens, they used for like stats, they have all these sort of weird stats, and they kept putting up hit apps to advantage. And for most of the night, he was double whatever. Draper was doing. I mean, it was a. that's the stat to, that you want for out of ruck when he yeah. hits to advantage. He was doing really well until he got injured, so it was a shame that he went off at the time he did because he was playing a good game. In the first quarter, he was everywhere. He was very like a little kid. It was fantastic. He had bought his own footy. Uh, number 19 for Hawthorne is Jack Gunston and uh, 11 disposals, uh, 8 marks three tackles. The figure that we'll discuss is 2 goals 4. 4 um, went to 64% disposal efficiency, uh, to 10 score involvements, a goal assist. But there's no getting around 30, 361 metres gain, so he's worked up the field a little bit. If you look at his heat map, he uh, did a bit of that as well. But uh, there's no getting away that um, Jack let us down in front of goals. Andrew?
2: Yeah, which is such a shame because... For him, in his role, in his team, it, in this team, it, it was the perfect game. He actually played the perfect game except for his uh, accuracy in front of the sticks. He worked so hard. He took his eight marks. I think he was helped a lot by Cozzy this week. And we taught, we've talked over the last few weeks about the difference for Gunston not having Mitch Lewis there and Lewis helping Gunston to play his role. He played it to perfection. Just starting to get worried off the back of his 0-3 last week against the D's. that um, hopefully now this isn't a thing, because when he goes back to kick it, there's still the, no, he's an amazing set shot at goal. So, you know, you're back in from here, you're back in from here, you're back in from here. And maybe we just can't do that anymore, um, which would be a shame. Uh, still, still backing in though, because we've, we've said it a couple of times earlier in this season, earlier this season, with um, w- what the expectations of him should be. Um, and outside of converting those set shots, he ticked every single box against the Dons. So um, I give him a six. It would have been closer to an A if he had four two as opposed to two four, um, and hopefully he can address it uh, address it over the next couple of weeks and come back and start slotting a few more big ones.
0: I think that's a fair rating. I think he's really you know we we, we love Jack Gunsby. he let the team down with his conversion. Um, Luke Bruce eight disposals, uh, two marks, a tackle, a goal. Um, four turnovers, one intercept possession. He uh, really, uh, a nondescript night for Bruce. Again, a bit of social media, four score and a bit of social media chat about Luke Bruce. And I mentioned this, I think, in my observations. Great, still, when he gets the ball in the right circumstance, he'll kill you. Defensively, he might be becoming a liability because he's, lose, he's lost a bit of pace. Maybe you put a speedy defender on him. That's a win that's a to the other team now. If it's a 50 50 contest and the other team wins the ball, uh, we're not getting out of Luke Bruce what we used to. But, yes. No, and I think that's,
1: that's what it is. And it's, it's, it's just the lack of defensive pressure and the, his old ability to kind of lock it in there um a crucial parts of the game, he just doesn't really impact the game anymore when he doesn't have the ball in hand. So it's a problem and I don't think it's a problem that's gonna get better. Um and I just I just think where we're at though, yeah, we're gonna drop Luke Bruce and then, you know, put our faith in another young small forward. I just I, he's got to keep playing and he's he's got to keep kind of being invested in being a teacher for this for this young group, um, he did he even play the last quarter because I, I just he just got nowhere near it. Um, in last quarter, uh, just
0: chatting out your for a sec while I look up. Your... just see your boy stats.
1: Just last
0: quarter, he didn't have, did have a stat in the last quarter.
1: Didn't have a stat, so he, again the ball wasn't in your eyes.
0: it's your
1: all zeros, yeah. I was shocked to see that as well. And yeah. I felt that, that was his game. That was the game that he played. It didn't really impact that game at all. And that's the problem with Luke Brewster. If he's, if he's not, you know, kicking those kind of snaps that we expect from him and doing those things, he's just not impacting the game at all. So, yeah, three. Mm.
0: Jacob Kaczynski. Where's number 23 for Warthorn? Seven disposals, a mark, two tackles, two goals. One of those was a 50-meter penalty, I think. Um, He had 57% disposal efficiency, six contested possessions, uh, five score involvements, um, 154 meters gained, neither here nor there. Uh, Andrew, two goals from your key forward. It's a a pass. Pass back. Well,
2: well, happy enough with it, and happy enough with him contesting. I think we always said this about him, you know, from from the from last year that he has the ability to crash a pack and at least contest and bring the ball down. I think without wanting to make excuses for him, the delivery forward was uh, not as he would have liked, and we we talked about that.
0: Even early, line. the disposal, the king the forward line, in the first ten minutes was like garbage. Was it
2: terrible. To... Was terrible. Like even, yeah, early on, it was like, what is this game of footy? We're in for a poor skill game of footy, and that doesn't help your forwards. But having said that, he's taken one mark for the game. So you mentioned the two goals for your key forward. One mark for the game is probably not quite up to. School scratch. Um, he did have five-score involvement. He gets a pass because he's kicked a couple of goals. Um, you'd just like to think we get a little bit more out of him, and and that might just be as a result of fine-tuning how our midfielder getting it up the ground to him.
0: Denver, Granger, Barras, six disposals, two marks to tackle, 100% disposal efficiency, uh, pretty set possessions, one score involvement. Pretty quiet night at the office for G, Des.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to get stuck into younger players, but he was he was pretty anonymous and for an intercept king and a contested marking beast. Um, we didn't really see much of that happening. And I think he was, well, who was he playing on? Francis, maybe? Um, yeah, he
0: sort of to the third defender.
1: Hmm. So, yeah, I, I, again, you, you just got to keep playing him because we, we don't have an embarrassment of riches at VFL level to, to bring back in um, Kyle Hardikin <laughs> played the second, uh, the last quarter in the fourth line, interestingly, today. I think it's just a bit of a uh, farewell tour for Kyle at the moment, so we've got to keep playing Shaggy and Shaggy. Uh, there was a moment, nice moment of regression, I think, in the last quarter where he, he attacked the footy, and I feel pretty comfortable when he has a ball in hand. But um, yeah, it's it's a doesn't happen very often. Pretty average game, yeah. I'm gonna. Do,
2: it a- any of you guys are any of you guys worried? I mean, like I know it's really early, and I've got one friend who keeps messaging me anytime he gets near it but doesn't actually go near it. And you look at what we've got from Ward early days and you look at what we've got from McDonald early days and you look at what we've got from Will Day early days. He obviously was the top-rated defender in the draft for a reason. Uh, Has it crossed anyone's mind in terms of being worried about where he's at or what
1: he's shown so far? He's a key position player, and I think if you're expecting a key position player to come in straight away and impact games like, you know, 25-, 26-year-olds, I, I just, I think that's a lot of expectation on him. And, I, and, and look, we've had kids come in and, and, and do that. Um, Gibkiss for Richmond is, is having a bit of an impact there. Um,
2: you know... Uh, we're not talking about holding Tom Hawkins to zero goals. I'm talking about the number of moments that are shown that make you go, oh, oh yeah, he's clearly a top-ten draft pick. I'm uh,
0: playing a bit of devil's
2: year. advocate here.
0: We saw more of those last year than we have this year. But a couple of times he gets the ball and they think, oh, yeah, he's playing <laughs> because he just he's out of the way almost. It's like they just just, it's like, just let Frost and Sicily do the heavy lifting. And Denver and you just sort of chime in when, when we need you sort of thing. But I think he's learning. I think he's getting better. But apart from the Sydney game, he's been pretty unobtrusive, hasn't he? So, But... Is he
1: getting, you know, is he getting destroyed by... You, don't, you just don't see him getting... Not destroyed. getting taken and, apart. And, and that's the thing. It's just like that is actually what he's supposed to do, learn from Sicily, learn from Frost, not, not be the main man there in our defensive unit. And I think... Um, I wish that was happening on other lines. I actually wish that was happening elsewhere
0: and on the ground. Josh Ward, fourteen disposals, which is interestingly six of those came in the last quarter when uh, not many others were getting the ball. Um, Two marks, three tackles, mainly defensive half. Eighty-six percent disposal efficiency. Two contested possessions amongst those. One turnover, one intercept possession, three score involvements. Um, Twelve centre bounce attendances. Uh, did okay again, just you know, the another slow, just yeah, chalk up another game as he learns how to play senior footy, um, Darren.
1: Yeah, Wardy was um, there. There were, again, you know, some nice moments. I think this was a bit of a, a the, the Ward Hobbs Cup, and I think Hobbs probably shaded him in the end with with that crucial goal and. Some crucial possessions towards towards the end of the game, but um, you know, what's what's he played now? Five games at six games at footy, and um, he's learning. He's he's getting better. We just can't expect him to be the main man. Um, and I, I didn't think he was terrible. I didn't think he was amazing. And I actually thought it would be a bit better given given the break that he had. But um, I think he'll be better next week. So. I don't want to be too hard on him. So it's it's a solid four and a half for Wadley.
0: Uh, Conor McDonald, 10 disposal. Uh, two marks, three tackles, obligatory one goal. it's a goal a game now, uh, Conor McDonald. 50% disposal efficiency, uh, one turnover to it, two intercept possessions, uh, four score involvements. Um, Boise.
2: Yeah, uh, we seem to do this every player rating, cut and paste, everything that was just said about Josh Ward, insert here. I think with the note that, uh, I mean, what was most glaring and and possibly disappointing as a key moment, again, which you wrote about in your takeaways, Ash, he was the second player of the three in the three-on-one and ended up taking the snap that was... A rushed behind when, um, you know, potentially some cooler heads might have prevailed in making sure we converted that for a goal. So that was the only blight. Yeah, it was a quiet night, but we keep talking about uh, getting experience with big wins, big losses, uh, every sort of range of experience that there is to be had. Uh, so he'll be better for the run and, yeah, just continue on.
0: He was not supposed to play. He was going to be managed, but then he was replacing for Wingard. So we'll see what they do next week. Maybe next week will be his uh, week of management. Um, He
2: must have known he was playing, though, because we knew knew as soon as Luke Bruce opened his mouth at the press conference that Wingard wasn't playing. So McDonald would have been
1: well aware. Oh, sure. it's only the SNU players that didn't know they were playing. They were all just uh, at home cooking dinner, and they got the call. So it makes it even more miraculous, really. Sorry, I'll never get over
0: it. Finn McGinnis, 18 disposals, um, five nights, four tackles, a goal. A lovely goal. That was the goal that got a lot of Hawthorne fans out of their seat. That goal in the third quarter, which, again, at the time, was a goal. If we get this and one more, they probably put them away. If that was the feeling at the time when he kicked that goal. It was a goal. Seventy-eight percent disposal efficiency. I want you to notice that five turnovers, five intercept possessions, six score involvements, um, two hundred seventy-five meters gained, one centre bounce attendance. I thought he played quite well, and I can see his role is growing by the week. I think his confidence is growing by the week. And I think he is getting to that stage. He is one of the first players to he picked in the team but at the moment. I think the coach loves him.
1: Yeah, and he was close to actually being dropped uh, a couple of weeks ago. So what a turnaround. I think he took a lot of confidence out of that, that match-up on Landon against the D's. And I, I thought... I, I kind of thought that he'd fixed his disposal um, in this game. This is the game where I thought he, he felt like he had more time. He wasn't making as many rush decisions. That goal was... Yeah. And I celebrate. His disposal was fine. His disposal was
0: pretty good. And he certainly wasn't the worst. He wasn't butchering the ball. Others did worse.
1: Yeah, I turned to my daughter and said he's fixed his disposal, which may be a bit premature of a call after one game. But... um that was a beautiful goal, celebrated that really loudly, and I think it meant a lot to him as a as a Hawk supporter. Um, and good on him! I think he's got a, a a really strong mentality, and I think he's going to continue to get better and become one of those players that's a lock in our best twenty-two. So I'm going to give him a, a six and a half.
0: Andrew, any comments on Finn McGuinness?
2: Yeah, no, definitely put my hand up as well. i, I I thought he played a fantastic game. The goal was a monstrous goal. And just further to the role he did on on Langdon last week, clearly no one at, uh, at St Kilda was watching because uh, Langdon absolutely got off the leash against them today. And, uh, yeah, I think that actually gave it even more, um, gave, gave it even more... Value in terms of the role that he played against the D's. Uh, and yeah, totally put my hand up because he's certainly uh, one that I, mm-hmm. you know, had in the basket of if I, if I don't see him playing for a while, slash again, I'd understand that and be comfortable with it. But now, I agree with you, Ash, like he has to play, he has to keep playing at least the next few rounds. And yeah, hopefully, continues.
0: I um, hope he plays on Hugo Smith next week. they best friends growing up. Uh, Sean Smith and the Smith and McGinnises are, uh, are very uh, good family friends for the Hawthorne Connection. So I think both East Brighton boys as well. So they'll be trying to play on each next week. I think Smith might be injured. Um, by the way, I've, I haven't missed a play yet. I'm going through beautifully. I haven't forgotten a play. I think I've got two more to go. Uh, so it's John Newcomb. Twenty-eight disposals, um, ten kicks, eighteen handballs, eight marks, four tackles, seventy-nine percent defensive half, seventy-five dis- percent disposal efficiency, um, eleven contested possessions, one turnover, two intercept possessions, five score involvements, um, four hundred forty-five meters gained, twenty-five centre bounce attempts, which I think might be the. The, the most for Hawthorne, but this is the key thing and why he wasn't spared by the coach in the post-match media conference. At halftime, he was sitting on... Tw- he had 12 in the first quarter, 20... He had 10 in the second he was sitting on 22 at halftime, five in the third, one in the last. Um, his first half was immense. Uh supporters near me, calling things like you know, Rising Star and Brownlow and I think there were a couple of cheeky tweets going around from some people saying that uh, just make him all Australian captain now if I'm not mistaken, something like that, did that uh, come from... Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right that was... That was...
0: <laughs> <laughs> but his second half was, you know, he set such high standards in the first half, do you grade him up Darren based on the first half or on totality of things? Do you does he lose points for being one of the players who went missing in the last quarter when they needed something?
1: I'm looking at his full game and I think he was, for me, the best Hawthorn player on the ground. And it's unbelievable that we're talking about him in that way now. Um, yes, he dropped off in the last quarter, but he had a lot of friends too. So, uh, you know, you can't really expect someone that was playing in Gippsland this time last year to be um, consistently putting it together four for four. four, four for four quarters, game on game, um, but yeah, I just I've just kind of run out of superlatives for him, and he's <laughs> becoming our, one of our best players. It's, it's just ridiculous.
0: I think we might be putting up on the. Uh, I think remind me for the spaces this week is, is, is who is Hawthorn's best midfielder. Maybe that might be the discussion we throw amongst the boys on uh, Thursday night. Give a rating.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna give him a I'm gonna give him a seven and a half. Um, I know he faded in that last quarter didn't have much of an impact, but that first half was just Brown Low. good.
0: Um, oh, what do you give McGuinness, Andrew?
2: Uh, I give McGuinness a seven and a half out of ten.
0: So you're writing the same as uh,
2: uh yeah, I, as in in terms of well. McGuinness had more of a four-quarter impact on the game. Uh, But Newcomb's first half, Newcomb's first half was outstanding. And when you ask the question about how you take into account his second half, Sam Mitchell has every right in a press conference straight after the game when we're really disappointed about losing a game that we shouldn't have lost to say, yeah, but his second half. We've had the benefit of the extra time to reflect. (laughs) And he is in those conversations now. We talked about Dylan Moore being one of the best players on our list. We talk about Siss being one of the best players on our list. He's one of the best and most important players on our list. And as you said, actually, in terms of the midfield, name your starting midfield in three years' time who's leading the line, he's surely at the moment got to be the first name put in, even ahead of Ward. It's like Newcomb and Ward. So um, his story, and he's obviously starting to get the recognition now, is even bigger than, you know, bigger than Moz. And he's just such an exciting footballer to watch.
1: Like, I love him. People were saying it would be if, if we had two pretty normal years without a pandemic that he may have been a top five pick. Um, but, I mean, he's certainly playing like it. And I think that's going to happen actually now just when you look at those COVID interrupted years, a lot of plays slipping under the radar, um, you know, it, it, it's going to happen. And we're so lucky that we, we snapped him up. Not many
2: players can say that they're so good that they made the AFL change the rules because of them.
0: It's <laughs> a Walter Lindenville football. Um, Jackson Callow, finally. Ten disposals, three kicks, uh, seven handballs, three marks to tackle, a behind... I still not that first goal in league football... Um, 60% disposal efficiency, uh, turnover, set possession, three score involvements. Three marks, two contested, one uncontested for buckets. It's coming... It, 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 we used to use this word to describe Tim O'Brien for about 10 years, but we see glimpses with uh, Jackson We wishes
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, it's disappointing. It's only 19. Yeah, it's very disappointing that he had to play so much time in the ruck, almost like Cozzy a few weeks back with with Reeves against Geelong. Because you just want to see him play as that key forward. When he jumps for the ball and, you know, he took a couple of strong grabs, you just looked at him and went, like, he, he looks the likely type. He looks like a footballer. It was really disappointing. He missed that set shot in that run of a, a few misses that would have put us five goals up. That would have made a significant um, difference and probably given him a fair bit more confidence.
0: I sat behind that shot and I turned to I was with Mora. So I was with, at the game with Mora and I said, "He's going to miss it left." And yeah. he, missed it left. He, he never looked like it. it. Never, looked, never like
2: looked, looked like it. Like it. And so that's fine. That's. That that's fine. It is what it is. As you said, he's nineteen. Again, the biggest question is going to be when Mitch Lewis comes back in a few weeks' time. How and Ned Reeves hopefully comes back in a few weeks' time. Like, is Callow going to have to continue developing through the twos? Uh, it's, yeah. It
1: does. And, then another, and then another interesting conundrum is the Emerson Jagger question because he just kicked five goals. Uh, five goals won today. So it's it's a good problem to have. And finally, we actually have some competition for places in that key forward spot. So, you know, it will allow the likes of Jack Gunston to, you know, to kind of eat, not be that main man in our forward line in the coming years and to have some decent players rotating through. Um, and I really, I, I think Callow has got something about him. I really do.
0: Uh, and finally, toss it up to you. the coach. How did he go?
2: Right, say that again,
0: Ash? The coach, Sam Mitchell.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest question's going to be, there's been a few last quarter fade-outs. I mean, this mirrored that Sydney game where we absolutely got monstered and Sammy said in his press conference that they tried a few things to do things a bit differently and make a few moves, but not exactly sure what they were and whatever they were, they didn't work. So um, I feel like, you know, he's no different to all of the young players. He's eight games into a coaching career. So um, he didn't have Robert Harvey with him. He's going to hopefully take enough out of the game to learn from it, um, but is pretty comprehensively, um, I wouldn't say out-coached necessarily, but wasn't able to pull off the move to win us the game. There wasn't anything
1: particularly complicated about what Essendon were doing. It was just going through the corridor pretty much at every opportunity, and you can do that when you're winning so many clearances as well. I think what was interesting to me was he persisted when Lynch went off with Callow, when Kaczynski's been rucking probably a bit more this year and has a bit more physicality about him. And Draper was the difference there in that last quarter and really got them on that roll. So there are a few kind of head-scratching moves from Mitchell, but I just feel there was like an air of inevitability. Once those five changes were made for the game, I just thought that there's no way we're winning this game. I think we just mentally, it was just, you know, it was it was it was kind of like a poison chalice. If we won that game by less than 30, 30 points, it would have been Hawthorne should have smashed them because it was a VFL side. And if we won that game, uh, you know, we, we just there was just an, nothing to take out of it for us, really. We'd have to win that game by 50 points for people to think that it was a worthwhile victory.
0: The damning step that uh... So, swamp thing revealed after the games, Hawthorne's last, Hawthorne is now zero, what's the last 10 games or something against teams that are in the bottom four? Yeah,
2: yeah. So, you know what? Because I saw that and I went, not that I doubt swamp, but I need to do a little bit of research and have a look at this. And that's only because in those three seasons, and obviously we played a couple of them, not winning many matches. But I think there was a North Melbourne game that we won, maybe round five, and they were ninth at the time. And then there were three other teams that we beat when they were 14th. So they ended up finishing bottom four, and they were out in the bottom four after we beat them, but going into the round, they weren't. So, I mean, obviously...
0: Swamp versus Waisy, this will be good. No, no,
2: I'm not doubting that the stat is factually correct, but I don't think it accurately tells the story of the, you know, ha- having beaten the bottom four teams because you associate that at the end of the season with the teams who finish at the bottom of the ladder.
0: It's been, like
1: there are a team that were tipped to win the flag at the start of the year. I don't think they're a a finals team, but they don't have a shocking list. And even when you look at the outs and the ins, it was, you know, that there were pretty, it was a pretty decent side that went out there. So I don't. The
0: players don't... that pulled out went the ones were going to hurt Hawthorne. We, they needed a couple of, they needed Parrish and Merritt and one or two others to be out of the side. I wasn't, when I saw the five who were out, I thought, yeah, they're not going to make a huge difference to where, how Essendon goes. That Essendon's potential match winners against Hawthorne we're all still playing.
2: One more player, Ash, that I think is worth a mention, um, purely because even though he had the same stats as Luke Bruce in the last quarter, uh, Liam Shields gets up to game 247 as the medical sub. <laughs> uh, and I think he had 29 touches for Fox Hill today. Um, <laughs> but that's interesting because he's... Uh, Clearly, they're going to push him towards the 250 and get him a, a 250th. Whether or not he plays many more than, than those three are, remains to be seen.
1: He's in football purgatory at the moment. He's too good for BFL level and then not to uh, AFL level anymore. So it's, it's a tough one for Shields. But he probably will come in because he was really good today. I watched that game. What do you think, cash?
0: With Shields.
1: Yeah.
0: I Well, I think the football purgatory is a, a good expression. I mean, they've got too many like him. If they, if it's about the future for Hawthorne. He's not going to play. He shouldn't be playing much, but he can, You know, he might be different between a win or a loss. I mean, i would play him against Richmond this week. Um, I think it's a perfect game for him to play. The selection will be interesting this week because they could get a few back. And will, will Mitchell... After three losses in a row, no one of them was an honourable loss, but there's now been three losses in a row, which will start dropping a couple of players um, and there's a, a semi-big name also get dropped, so that'll be a fascinating one at selection this week. But potentially the end of the next week um, will be Lewis is going to play, Wingard will come back, um, one of one other player uh, Nash could be back next week.
1: Yeah,
0: possibly. Who's that? CJ. No, CJ is not going to play. You reckon CJ more unlikely than likely. Mm-hmm. So they've got some, and McAvoy's out of the neck brace now, which suggests that he, um, you know, he'll start building up towards the fitness as well. So he'd probably he positive for the next week.
1: I saw him in a neck brace in the
2: crowd. Is he? Yeah, on the screen, he was in a neck brace.
0: Oh, really? I, don't know. I thought I said he was out, but uh, okay, maybe he's still wearing it. But he's out and about. I don't know. But uh, so they, the team is actually again no excuses for. The performance the other night, but they the team is a bit depleted, and there's not that much left at Box Hill that you'd want to be seeing coming in anytime soon. So, and Butler kick played well today, but he's probably not quite ready yet. And long since Brad had him ready debut, he's hardly had a kick for two weeks for Box Hill, so um, probably not quite ready either. So, they're fairly depleted. It'll be interesting to see what they do in selection this week. We'll discuss it on the spaces. Or well, by talking do spaces, the team will be out. It's a Saturday game, which is good against Richmond. a few other bits and pieces to discuss as well so that has been the space, I didn't really answer the the Shields question satisfactorily but I don't really quite know what's going on but I think you'll play this week. That's been our review Uh, we managed to uh, talk about it I think we'll do the Sam Mitchell rule, we'll get this podcast out there and then we'll forget about it
2: Sounds like a plan.
0: That's the way to go of this one. Uh, Thank you Andrew
2: Thank you Ash, as always good to be back
1: Looking forward to the build-up to the Tigers.
0: And thanks, Darren Levine.
1: Thank you. That was really the catharsis that I needed to get over that game.
0: Thank you, everybody, for support of Hawks Insiders, uh, where you can join us for $5 a month, $50 for the season for great Hawks content. And uh, join us on Thursday night on Twitter Spaces as we look ahead to the Richmond game on the weekend and debate all the great big questions surrounding the Hawthorne Football Club. Thanks for your support, and we will talk to you later this week. Good night.